everyone, and welcome to FICA. Our returning guest today is author Brian Greiner. You'll remember Brian from previous Brian <laughs> from previous episodes when we discussed his The Saga of Bob series and Haiku Cat, as well as his help with the wannabe author and stretching your book budget shows, because that is what Brian does. He figures things out and is generous with his time helping others, very much like the protagonist Felix in his The Accursed North series, which we will be focusing on today. But not exactly like Felix, because as far as I know, Brian has never battled werewolves. However, he can be quite modest and restricted in his sharing of personal things, so we may never know. Thanks for your help over the years, your active participation in Fika's chats, and for Felix, which I believe is an example of resilience for all of us, Brian. And welcome to Fika. Oh, thank you, Vicki. Uh, I just want to state for the record that I've never fought a werewolf. <laughs> I have fought an angry cat, but not a werewolf. I'm not sure which would in the hierarchy of vicious mammals <laughs> be on top. The cat would win. <laughs> yes, the cat always wins. That's oh, yeah. that's definitely a thing. So before we get started on all these werewolves, can you give us a little bit of um, synopsis of what the Cursed North and the Werewolves of Winter and the Final Doom is all about? Sure. Um, I was thinking about this, and there's two ways of looking at it. One is what the author thinks the book is about, and the other, and the other is what the reader might think the book is about. I know that you and I have discussed this very issue more than once and at length. Um, the author point of view is um, basically, what if werewolves were real? in terms of science, not magic. And um, how could that happen? How would it affect the world? And that's the basic um, questions that I started with as when I started the book. And I looked at how it affects society because um, as we're seeing now with the current uh, COVID uh, issues, but also uh, as in the past, societies get hit with bad things that happen seemingly at random and ordinary people rarely have a chance to fight back they basically adapt and carry on and in the werewolves of winter the hero like everyone else learns to adapt to a bad thing which is a plague of werewolves and uh, life goes on until one day it doesn't and he has to buckle down and pay attention and seriously battle for survival and in the second book, The Final Doom, um, is um, the hero meets up with some friends that are mentioned in the first book, and together they um, battle the big bad, <laughs> and, the, and they thwart the uh, big bad's plans for the final doom. Um, in a nutshell, that's basically it. Um, Werewolves werewolves come <laughs> and they must be stopped <laughs> and, yeah. they, and they but, yeah but the problem isn't just the werewolves it turns out that there's something behind the werewolves and so there's a hierarchy of badness <laughs> yes yes there's a whole thing but before we get into the depths of that brian there are some greetings this morning um tamara's already laughing 
Robin is um, sitting at his office having coffee and he enjoys listening to um, listening in and he loves these talented people such as yourself um, that are on the episode. So you better sound talented and not disappoint Ooh. him, right? I, and Susan I should says, have worn my sunglasses. Susan says she's here too. Just so you know, Susan is here. Susan is in the house. And Dave wants to know, he says, show me the cookies, Brian. But you didn't bake cookies this morning. You baked yeah, I, 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 donuts. <laughs> donuts. I did donuts. Which but you, I, did you bring them down for us to see I from forgot. your basement lair? I forgot. I'd have to rush up, but, but you know, that would leave a blank screen. That would be terrible. <laughs> That would be, we are going to have no blank screens. You forgot to remind me. I forgot to, I forgot to remind you. I have so little on my mind on Thursday mornings, Brian. Exactly. I should have, I should have just gotten that out there to you. So since we're already starting our banter, Dave says donuts are even better. Since we're already starting your banter, when you were describing the story, you said from the writer's point of view. <laughs> which is a segue into um, a discussion that we've had over time that books are um, books are, are taken in several different ways. Once the writer puts them out into society, they can't, they can't control how the readers are going to take them. Right. And, and you have in the past said, I've thought about Vicky and you're right. <laughs> yep. So that's true. So on another opinion, another way of looking at these things is that you see it as the battle against the vampires and the big bad and and the dangers that are out this. Now, I see it as the story of Felix, our protagonist, because the whole first book is in first person narrative and we hear how he is not only battling the werewolves but battling being on his own for for at least two years with the vampire attacks becoming more prevalent werewolf attacks you mean werewolf attacks sorry <laughs> i apologize to all werewolves and vampires out there <laughs> the vampires would be a whole other book that's a whole other book so but, but that's a good idea <laughs> Werewolves and the vampire. Let's switch to a comment from Robin. A question, I believe. <laughs> we'll get Let's just side take track the conversation. What is your opinion of where the legends of werewolves originated and what sparked your interest in incorporating werewolves in your writing? Why werewolves, Brian? Yeah, okay. Um, my opinion of the legends is I have no opinion. Um, they were just something that I grew up with from the movies. Beyond that, I have no in-depth knowledge of them other than they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Every culture has a werewolf legend or a vampire legend or um, something bad that lurks in the night. As to why I wrote a book about werewolves, um, well, this is back in 2015, 2016. Um, I'm being an old man. My memory isn't as good as it was, but... Um, it seemed like a good idea at the time. It tickled my fancy. <laughs> a plague of werewolves. It just seemed like such a nifty thing. I think it's important when we talk about <clears throat> you, Brian, and we talk about you a lot sometimes when you're in the room. <laughs> I think it's important to say that you grew up during the big 
B movies and you know yeah. the the pocket novels the everything wasn't like big and perfect so you have that whole creature feature kind of thing was your era right yes so yeah, you I was born in the 50s so I grew up in the 50s 60s 70s and that and that was the era of the of the ace doubles which had two novelettes in is in one and they were cheap even even for the time they were cheap you know they were um you know as as, as i mentioned as on the show they started at 25 cents for two complete novels and it was a a fabulous idea and they were they were mass produced so they were cheap to produce um and it was done in the era of the big publishing houses so you know effort was put into them and it was a way for new writers to get started um it was a it was an evolution of the um of the uh of the pulp magazine trade which was way before my time but a, but a lot of the writers grew up writing for the pulps and then and that dried up and then they went into the uh mass-produced pocketbooks and um but as you say it turned into every everyone wanted the one big hit and if you weren't a big hit meh we didn't want you but all of the big name authors started out with the smaller publications so they learned their craft. so you have sort of embraced that idea with this story that you know this is the werewolf of your of your um of your thoughts of your imaginations yeah of, of I tried your to make it what science based rather than magic based, and I spent some time thinking. Okay, well, you know what? What would a science based werewolf be? And it wouldn't be like the creature features. It would be a slightly modified human. But um, as I pointed out in the book, it was a it was a nickname that was applied by the media because it was a catchy phrase. Yeah. So, so because yeah, the the media always goes for the catchy phrase, and yeah. I shouldn't say that. Okay, you know, quite often the media will go for the catchy phrase, and they have found that fear promotes sales. So why not throw that in too, right? Yeah. Also, yeah, well, there's also um, this is the age of the meme. And yeah. No. Short make it short stuff. and and yeah. to the um, something that you might learn with some of your other notes. <laughs> No, I love Bob. Um, and also, Robin, because I knew we were doing this show, we should be having a gentleman who wrote The Magic of Wolves and is more into the wolfish folklore. Um, actually, I hope to have a couple of different people later on in the next month or so. So stay tuned for that. Susan says, asks, I haven't quite sure yet. She has author Susan Marcus on there. Good girl. Good woman. Okay, we already had this discussion today. From, right? Okay, werewolves are also symptomatic of the fear that the animalistic part of human psychic will take over all species. It is the wolves that, I mean, wolves get a lot of bad press. So that wasn't a question. That was an intelligent statement. And I think we could use one on the show today. <laughs> Oh, oh, the cat's watching Schwartz, yeah. Hello, and, he, Schwartz. and he knows he knows your voice. So so he's um, 
he's okay. So that is how. So you thought of this thing, and and, and it's on the back of the book, so we can say that it's a plague because that's that starts mm-hmm. the werewolves. That doesn't alter. That's plague. not a spoiler. Yeah, the change plague. It's not. I don't think that a spoiler makes. No, it is on the back of the book, yeah. Yeah, and you sort of described... So, And I want to say once again that the book was written in 2016, although some of us are trying to get him to bring it out again because they really enjoyed that. That someone is me. Um, Warning, the first book does have a cliffhanger, so if you say, I'm going to finish this and then go do the dishes or whatever, just don't worry about the dishes because you will be buying the next book within two seconds. All very, very... um, It is an indie book. Brian does it all himself from cover to formatting to whatever. So you're only looking at $3.99 for the book, which for the ebook. For the ebook, yes. Yeah. So um that's that's which is why I read ebooks. Because <laughs> they're only $3.99 or $4.99. Um and so for less than ten dollars, you have like 10 hours of enjoyment there ahead of you. More if someone can talk him into writing a third which that would be me (laughs) so we were just so Felix okay I'm gonna go to Felix now because I absolutely love Felix and I did sort of call him a grumpy old man and Brian was like yes but he's like and that wasn't anything negative because I will defend Felix to my end okay he's an older gentleman he's retired he's had to deal with the corporate life in the capitalistic world he finally gets his place out in the country where he can grow his garden and live his life and these werewolves why do i keep these werewolves show up to stop it all from happening um he goes on even though he's not quite happy with the world as far as i'm concerned he's the one that will possibly save it. We get that idea at the beginning of the novel. Now, Brian, as you are a man of mature years as well, as many of us are around here, um, and I'm not saying you're grumpy or not. I'm not making that judgment call live. Um, we can talk about that later. But but what strength do you did you give Felix that you feel come from... Um, experience age um you get to a certain age especially if you're male um (laughs) is you learn what your limits are (laughs) um and you know when not to push them but more importantly you know when you can and and the price you'll pay is for doing so um when you get older you are better at looking at the larger picture you're less likely to get hyper-focused on one small segment. Um, And so I think that that's basically the real strength that his age has given him. Um, He's less liable to to fall for a honey-coated lie. (laughs) I mean, uh, people might accuse him of being cynical, but it's, 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 it's hard one experience saying, don't look a gift horse in the mouse mouth. Um, you know, um, think about things a little more deeply. Don't, you know, and don't make a rush to judgment. Well, this is what I, I found about him. I think that 
and and you know you can sort of feel it coming upon you that you don't rush into things there is a patience of you know i'm going to stop and have my coffee and think about this first you know there may be a whole bunch of werewolves outside my door but they're just going to have to wait <laughs> till i get this done and i found you know also there also with the books, I found that um, they they followed his line of thought. So as he was building things or designing things to keep himself safe, you know, it would go through everything he had in his in his toolbox, everything he has saved to recycle. Like it wasn't just coming out of nowhere. There mm -hmm. were boundaries to his engineering feats. And oh, yeah. I started to feel that all it it made me that pace that we will get to it when we get to it made me so calm in the middle of this very dangerous book. Like I'm just sitting there, and that's right. You do those few dirty dishes, Felix, because they will pile up. I have a pile on my sink just reading this book. Right. So, so he it is very calm, calm, and he takes his time to to do his mindfulness exercises because he has been on his own and he's learned all this and i think he is a hero that we need today i think that that he you know i don't know if he's a hero but i see him as um a decent sort who is trying to do the best he can and uh aware that Sometimes there are still things left for him to learn. And he um, does learn and grow in the two books. I, I feel like you're now, well, no, heroes have to grow. There has to be a, a growth arc. Um, and, and you can see that happening. But I feel you're being too humble on Felix's behalf now <laughs> as a reader. Possibly. <laughs> who is who is deciding what she thinks of it i think i think he is a hero i mean when we look at the hero's journey you know it's it's you start off with the problem you figure out how to deal with it you know then all of a sudden kaboom and then there are other people giving you information and whatever and then you have that last kaboom and then mm. you know you go on to book three if you're smart so <laughs> So I, I think he is like many of the characters that I'm seeing now in books. He's not your average kind of hero. He he's yeah. brain smarts, which are still, but you know, he still deals with those. He's just real. He's a real hero. I mean, like I, I, I don't think, I don't think that the werewolf part and that's particularly a hero, but he would be a hero, like, regardless of whether it was werewolves or warthogs or <laughs> whatever the problem is. Vampires. Managers. He would, he would manage it in the same, there is, it's just an example. I do. I thought what resilience he has to be living on his own for these last two years with hardly any human contact and maintaining his focus and his jobs and things get done when they get done and there's a place for everything and all of those things that people find boring and you know oh we get told that a billion times were really important in the making of this book and mm -hmm. so i liked it okay no more questions here just go on and talk <laughs>
<laughs> okay. Shall we get into it, people? <laughs> Our problem. Yeah, let's be Describing up on your book. Describing your book. Now, in today's world, there are many ways people describe a book. They might call it a certain genre, or they might say it's like this and this and this book, or whatever. And and Brian is not so big <laughs> on those things as he has stated. So would you like to give how you feel about those ways of describing a book, Brian? I was I was discussing this, this with my wife and she had she slapped me down because she thinks that you are correct in describing it as a cross between such and such. I love Because as she pointed out, it's a shorthand. You know, so to me, my books are not, um, say, Red Green meets X-Files. I mean, that would be one way of looking at... Um, um, it's, it's that the all uh, werewolves books um, because Felix wasn't perfect stuff he made didn't always work but it was good enough um, and I do want to hasten to point out although what he builds is reasonable it's not necessarily ac accurate enough to be safe for someone to duplicate this stuff <laughs> oh yeah, that should be a disclaimer. Don't try this yeah. at home, kids. Yeah. Okay. And if you do, you're is you deserve all the injuries and death that you get. Um, <laughs> it just had to sound real. That's another and, thing. And of course, he's taking shortcuts because he's basically in the middle of a war. You know, it isn't like it's a calm peacetime um, experience. Um, but you mentioned um, at one point his, um, you know, as the stuff uh, as that he makes, um, he has the workshop of my dreams. And I go into some detail of all the equipment that he has. And it's everything that I want that my wife won't let me buy. Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Having. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. Because <laughs> she won't let me bankrupt the fine tools. <laughs> And, and and she probably um um she probably it doesn't feel that you know wants you to be making all these weapons out there because now that you've written about them you have to make sure that they will really work which I'm no. sure they will do um, <laughs> no no so good for Lynn that solved that discussion but the point <laughs> is that we quite often in society say you know this show is like this 
um, well, I originally said that this show was like MacGyver and Grumpy Old Men meet the X-Files. Mm-hmm. And then I had to think back. I wasn't upset with the idea of Grumpy because Felix has his moments. He he's, <laughs> has pain. He has, you know, nobody sees things the way he does. But I think that. Especially when he's right. Um, especially when he's right. Um, and he's and he really is quite often right. Is that that he is respectful of all those around him, whereas the grumpy old men in the movies might not have been. So, but the point is, the point is, is that is a way of drawing people in. It is shorthand. That's a good word, Lynn. And and it is shorthand to get them <clears throat> coming in as are genres. Now you seem to be having a genre problem as well, or <laughs> no, well, to a certain extent, um, I like good stories and I try to write. I agree. Entertaining stories. What the genre is, is almost irrelevant. Uh, but for werewolves, it's a, it's a bit of, cosmic horror uh, it's a bit of science fiction um it's a bit of a thriller and i could make excuses for each and every one of those genres um i think the genre is the aesthetics this would be a good story okay. if you put it in you know into wartime or or any of the above but yeah you know, it lets people know there are werewolves if they like werewolves. Yeah. Or... Uh, uh, um, an, another genre that this might fit into is uh, survival horror. Is that a thing? Uh, yes, apparently. Oh, you've um, looked it up recently because of our No, <laughs> I've seen it. No, I mean, you see these things and I go, people want to put things into boxes too much. and they, I agree. I agree. And, they, and then they get fixated on one narrow box this is who i am read outside your comfort zones but that is stories but they do that with everything in society now i think they have to label it down to you know as i've said i am a person who drinks coffee at two o'clock on wednesdays you know in red socks this is what and it's all marketing driven now i'm old enough to have lived through reading stories that parodied and satirized that attitude from the 60s and 70s. So that's the era of, uh, as of the show, uh, Mad Men. I lived in that era. I grew up in that era. And I grew up with people mocking it. And and I think the mockery <laughs> Needs to come back. Um, <laughs> you know, that was... It stayed in Felix. Yeah, you know, or it's a defining part of me. I guess, is to look at things a bit askance and if necessary, mock them. And now, of course, that I write books, I can have my characters as to the mockery and I can say, well, you know, I'm not responsible for what the characters say. You aren't responsible. Those are, there has to be... Okay, well, we're on what the characters say. Here's just a little disclaimer. As we pointed out, that Felix is an older gentleman who's seen a lot and is quite frustrated with the fact that other people aren't seeing it. So there may be comments towards certain political movements, certain countries, certain cities, um, Toronto, watch out. Um, but they are just Toronto. things. 
<laughs> Felix has opinions. And being a cranky old man, he's going to express those opinions. And those opinions do not necessarily represent those of Fika with Fiki or Brian Griner himself. Okay. They Unless they're of Toronto. <laughs> I'm trying to save you. I used to live there. Um. Um, see, see, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> listen, listen to this, Brian. You never listen to me, so maybe you'll listen to Robin. Listening to Brian, I think he should do some writing for Hollywood and show them how to write a true hero's journey. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Robin. Okay. <laughs> I will remind I, them of this. But often. I don't think Hollywood is ready for me. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't ready for you this morning, but here we are. <laughs> I normally don't see you until, you know, an hour or two from now. Okay. So <laughs> a little more time, a little more coffee. Brian, where were we? Okay. So we apologize. We didn't apologize. We simply stated that he, Felix is a character and, the characters have opinions and Felix mm -hmm. has opinions, but he is always respectful. He's respectful of the young. So let's set this up. When we talk about the thriller. Um, I, 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 I just want to point out that there are other characters who have strong opinions that contradict Felix. You know, let's not forget that is that. So people talk back to him. <laughs> And so Brian he, is responsible for those characters him. too. So he yes. can't totally agree. So he can't be Felix if he's also Lee and Dixon and, and the other characters. Can you, Brian? You can't be all of those people. We are large. We contain multitudes. <laughs> when we're a writer, but yeah. not when we're talking to our wife. <laughs> okay. Um, so it is a thriller because once again, what I, what I thought was cool was that the first book, except for the werewolves and some far off views of people, um, it is first person narrative and there are no other characters besides Felix. And yet I loved it. And what was going on in his head that I consider to be thriller type stuff, right? Which is why we came into the thriller type stuff. And then he, and then he, in the next book, we meet his friends from his, you know, groups that he knew in life and then went into internet groups, which he haven't had to talk. And they all work together, this ragtag team <laughs> of nerds with their, <laughs> with their um, inhalers work together to save the world. So, so, I mean, and I don't think whether it's saved or not, you know, that, that you will find out and you will decide whether it's for the best or not. Yeah. But well, I just want to point out that the horror is like all horror. There's a price to be paid and the people take on, you know, it's the uh, good guys, male and female, I'm using the word guys in its generic sense. Everyone pays a price, but they're willing to pay it. And so, okay, if you want to call that a heroic, fine, I will accept that. But they do what <gasps> needs to be done. I'm just saying that. I, <laughs> I don't really care you. if you accept it or not, Brian. I'm calling it heroic, but you you carry on. <laughs> yeah, but there's a price to is to be paid, and it's not always necessarily a happy ending. It's a happy-ish ending. 
Yeah, it wouldn't be realistic if it was. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 you know, we sort of puff at that if we're reading, but there was no sacrifices made without purpose. And I think that's, what's important in writing that because you keep everything in its boundaries and explain it. And, you know, some might find, I, like I said, I, I like, I, it made me very calm. It made me understand what we were going to do, but maybe it's because I get too much into books. Like <laughs> I'm there with you. So Felix wasn't completely alone, but it made me feel like we knew what we were doing. <laughs> and we, and I, I knew what was coming next and there was no surprises. Welcome back Tamara. Where did you go? <laughs> at the books <laughs> she went off to could be could be a writer lives in eternal hope uh so <laughs> okay i have a book for you when you were saying that somebody bought your book somewhere and you were trying to figure out who it was and then i was talking to my kid and we were saying okay we just had this picture of I had this picture of this writer saying, like a commercial or something for Amazon. Someone bought my book, and then they hire a private investigator, and they show up at this guy's store in the middle of nowhere. You know, whether it's the Arctic or the prairies, the or, or the place with a deer rolling down his eye. Thank you so much. And um, then, of course, my kid turned that into a horror. Our story of the same kind of thing. Here, buy more books. <laughs> well, money. Actually, I ha I do have more. <laughs> oh, Tamara was taking the puppy out. Okay, that's allowed, yeah. Tamara. So <laughs> she has her own little werewolf. <laughs> she has her own little werewolf. That is correct. So buy books, make indie authors happy, make all authors happy. Brian, we're well. There it is. Do you now? I read this book thinking, hmm, there's a lot of info in this book. <laughs> and mm. but there's a point is as society should and not just because you don't want to get in trouble, but do you think that authors of fictional books are responsible if someone should take the information and um you know create things <laughs> from yeah. it? I actually kept that in mind. That's why I issued the uh, disclaimer earlier is that. My or Felix's descriptions are kind of vague as how he actually made things, and that's for a reason because it doesn't matter to the story how, um, if if it's super detailed, um, there's a thing it made it goes boom or it goes whoosh, and it has limited or the effect. Yes, um, <laughs> uh, that's good enough. You just need to need to know these things exist. And it's not like I'm bringing up brand new information that no one ever heard of. No, uh, no. Making, you know, it's like making uh, Caltrops has been known for like a thousand years. Uh, um, you know, everything that Felix makes is well known and has been for decades. Um, but there are some books, I agree, that go into immense detail just to show off how clever the author is about how to do this, that, and the, and the other thing, and giving detailed measurements of, say, a public building and how their bad guy makes use of that. Um, you don't need to do that. 
no, think, no. But it's also. I think that that is that is bullshit. That's wrong. It, it, <laughs> I was having a conversation about it's, the, you know, it's thing the other day. No, but wrong enough but that, that anybody is, actually tries it. It's like hurt. on America's Got. No, what was it? American Idol or whatever, where, <laughs> um, you know, we'll just explain that. But it's it's self, you know, it's just it's a lack of self discipline. I think it's something that the writer wants to do. They want to go down to this path. They did that extra research. You know, the discipline isn't there <laughs> to stop them from having to put it in. And so there it goes. It's not about what the book means or the book in general. And I think that can be a problem. Sometimes we have to, we have to, um, What I heard this week is, do you speak with a knife or do you speak like a balloon? You know, a knife cuts through and makes things straight and concise and a balloon is full of emotions and pumps all around. So you do want to write with a knife, I think, or a sword. Brian. Sword. <laughs> sword, because it's bigger? <laughs> no, it's longer so you can keep things at a distance. <laughs> so you're not taking that that punch when you got your words out of there? It's safer at a distance. My sacred words are sacred for a reason. They're children of my mind. All right, Brian. <laughs> In earlier shows, because you have retired from the software game, as it were. In earlier shows, we have discussed, you know, how you keep track of all your ideas for books and everything with different software. And, you know, you quite often ask authors when you're in the question sheet what what software if they use software or just a notepad or whatever and and so in this book there's a lot of details as far as what he has to make stuff with and what mm -hmm. tools he uses and what he has in packs and whatever did you need to use a software to keep track of all of those things or no, uh... were you able to remember that because it's my dream workshop, I have it entirely populated, <laughs> and I know what's in it. Um, as, but even from a general handyman, um, men, many men, and there's some women, as I will include this, love tools. Having the right tool is just a joy to use, um, and people that love good tools tend to collect them, like people who love writing with fountain pens tend to tend tend to collect far too many of them um anybody we know <laughs> you mean aside from me um because so it's easy and someone in his position on a farm who likes to tinker is going to have a reasonably well stocked um junk pile if you will or a stockpile of things so that when the mood takes them they've got the stuff on hand there's nothing there's nothing worse than wanting to do something and not having the part so when you go out and buy something you buy two or three times as much and um i allude to this like in the end of book one where he's going through the workshop and he sees all of his bins and containers where everything is carefully sorted um I can only dream of being that organized um, in my own shop. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it wasn't hard to keep track of what he had. 
Because, because you, know, you love that whole thing so much. Yeah. That, but that. don't forget that he also has limits. And I didn't have to take stock of what he had. I just knew that. There are there always limits. Be. Right. There's never so, enough to do everything you want. And limits, and, as as we know, is important in um, books with magic because that keeps the book believable. I mean, you can't just suddenly throw in a special one to do a special job. Yeah. That's not that's not fair to the reader or good for the, good for writing. <clears throat> and so, what I discovered is there was also a limits in engineering. You couldn't just suddenly have like this big bulldozer or something. This was not part of his lifestyle, <laughs> you know. So it so that was done done very well. And I okay. didn't note the software and that being used as he was plotting things out for parts yep. of this book. That uh, some of the software that he alludes to is stuff that I've used in the past. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> is to do things like uh, data analysis and mapping. Um, <laughs> you know, that's all real stuff. <laughs> As you live in your basement, that's real stuff too. Felix in his yeah. basement. Okay. Robin loves your bench behind you there. He calls it your research bench. And I told you it makes a fabulous background. Okay. I want to bring this up because apparently Robin thinks we have a topic. Robin, if you know what it is, please let us know. Okay. Yeah. Brian says, sorry to go off top. Brian, sorry to go off topic. I have always picked at and built computers since the 80s. What kind of software development did you used to do? Oh, well, that, that, that's actually on topic because it's a old man who likes making things. <laughs> um, I got started with microprocessors back with the first 4004 and the 8008 where you had to build your own. Um, and so it was all assembly language, sometimes assembly by hand. And I did assembly language for many years and then uh, got into higher level languages and never looked back because, you know, there's things you can do it's, you know, as your projects get larger, you go into a higher level. Uh, it's like um, C, for example, and there you've got a choice of. of um, it's just like writing. You, uh, you can work with, with it's with low level tools, or you can work with higher level tools. Um, it all depends on what Lynn will let you buy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or if I can sneak into the house and say, "Oh, that that old thing. I've had that forever." <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, you know, you know, that's a, you know, that's a hint for all you uh, young men out there. That's one trick you can use. Um, <laughs> the other trick, uh, which I've learned from my father, is um, when you go to pay something with cash, not so common anymore, is you say, "Oh, hon, I'm a little short. Can you loan me twenty dollars or or whatever?" And then you pay for it and you pocket the change. Uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> This is something Felix would say. This is something Felix would say, and therefore you're not you're not you know backing yourself up on your words. Um, Brian, it's not it is not about men or women. It just depends on the thing. Lynn, you are smart with with planning and sheets, and apparently Lynn is much brighter when it comes to the finances. So <laughs> she will she. She takes care of that. It could be I think in some cases that Tamara. That yeah, Tamara says, "Oh my God!" And and I I understand Tamara, but you know, it's unconditional. <laughs> Sometimes he goes places he shouldn't, but we still love him. Okay, 
I think I know this person. DJ Dama said, who said he was going to watch today because he knew Brian was going to be on, the Sword of Wisdom, perhaps. I think the Sword of Wisdom is a good way to explain it. I'm not sure that's Brian's sword. More the sort of keep your distance there. <laughs> Brian is wise. I have a sharp pointy thing and I'm not afraid to use it. So if <laughs> so yes, I suppose it is wisdom. <laughs> And the wisdom is if anything happens to anybody around you and you're like saying this on air, we we that's the wisdom G yeah. DJ Jama says. Oh I should, DJ. I should have brought down my sword. <laughs> so you should have brought down your swords, your other toys. How never mind. I don't I don't even want to know. Okay, so do we have I mean I have stuff written, but we've do, is there anything else you want to say about werewolves of winter, Brian? Um, well, I'm excited that people are are enjoying it. I mean, as we make mock of as of uh, how writers like me fall to their knees and cry with with joy as when with every book is bought, and that's not entirely untrue, I'll tell you. Um, but it's nice, you know, because we work so hard on these things, all all writers. And it's always nice to see um, other people finding joy in our thoughts. Um, one uh, book I recently read um, about the craft of writing, um, the author, a writer, um, said that books are a form of telepathy, where, our, where the writer transmits their thoughts into the mind of the reader. And I thought that's a darn good way of putting it um so it's um it's it always is, nice to, to have our thoughts received and appreciated it is it's encouraging and you work all of like for days years forever on a book without knowing mm. how it's going to be taken out there so it's 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 a nice validation of yeah. what you're doing. I remember once I got my Christmas Amazon card. It's a regular. I didn't mean to say Amazon. I got a Christmas <laughs> get books card. Okay. <laughs> it could have been Kobo. It could have been. It's too late now. And I was looking through um, the list of books that were possible. And there was a poetry book about wolves, actually. Um, of a, and. And it had just come up, I could tell, and it hadn't been purchased before, and it was on for two ninety nine, <laughs> and I bought it just because I thought Merry Christmas to that author. <laughs> like they're like, I knew that it would be. Oh, somebody bought my book. Right? <laughs> if I was the only one, so you know, you too can make a writer happy for less than a cup of coffee. Um, depending on what retailer you get your coffee from, you know, <laughs> the price of the book. Like or if you want to make a, uh, uh, as a writer, um, super happy, go to a book fair or a place where they have a, a lot of authors uh, selling their books and buy one of their paperbacks and ask for it to be autographed. Oh, um, my, my wife and I uh, went to um, a local place uh, two, three years ago, you know, blazing hot. It's the hottest day of the year. And we decided to go out anyway. And there were a dozen authors with their, and they'd been there all day at the poor sods. And I went from table to table and bought one of their paperbacks. 
um, until my money ran out. And um, Lynn wouldn't I, let you have any more. <laughs> that's true. Well, I, as I think she had to give me five dollars to finish paying for the last one. Um, but you know, <clears throat> you know, you read them, and um, you know, from the stacks on the tables, they hadn't sold many, and a number of them were books I would not normally buy if I'd seen them in the store. But I've read them, and you go, I kind of like this. Not sure I'd buy any more like it, but I'm glad I read this book. It was different. It was well read. Different point of view. Um, so yeah. Um, this is this is why I love I love doing. Let the authors know that you like it. Yeah, they're out there. Go on their Facebook page. You know, send them a message and just say I like your book. Um, and, and Brian, I'm really surprised because I always thought you were very frugal and now I'm seeing this whole different side of you. You're just frugal with certain things. Yes. <laughs> tools being, tools being not one of them. Uh, and books. Okay. This is a thing. Robin, are you in my head? I don't even know if Robin's a real person anymore. Okay. First of all, Robin says. I don't know, Robin, by the way, but just through Fika. Well, you are too cool, Brian. You were right about the collecting of tools. Okay? So maybe not a perfect person, Robin, but, <laughs> <laughs> but pretty close. And then he said, where can I get, uh, may your coffee be hot and your stories be sweet, Fika with Vicky coffee mug for my, deal, for my desk. Robin, I am looking into that. I mean, I'm... I care, you know, I'm sort of an environmental kind of person. So I'm thinking, does the world need more merch? But on the other hand, yeah, they kind of do need some of mine. <laughs> so I'm looking into that. I'm trying to find a place that has bigger mugs because we know a lot of those little ones that are used for merch are, are not going to cut it. So I would like to have one that says, may your coffee be hot and your story sweet. Um, I would like to have one that says your kind of, um, your my kind you're my kind of reader to stop the reading shame. There's different things there, but definitely thank you for that comment. Um, it, it is encouraging me to look further into this. You definitely uh, want to get the 15 ounce. Sizes. Yes. In, in fact, I, I feel, Oh, Tamara agrees. They need a fake book. Now I will, that brings into the fact that February 14th is Love Your Library Day. Let's forget about all that romantic stuff and concentrate on what's important people. And so oh. when I was I was in my library the other day, they had a sign up that their mugs were on sale. And so I walked to the desk and I'm like, okay, I will just give you the money if they're not, but how big are these mugs? Because this is important and they brought it out and they were very proud and said see you can have like stew in that or soup as well as your coffee so i have loved my library by purchasing this mug that doesn't just mean you know public libraries you can if there's somebody in your neighborhood who has a little free library and they and they want to um they take good care of it or whatever and you just leave them a little love note saying thank you um <clears throat> so your library in your house buy brian's book for it you can also order that on um, paperback online 
but it will not be autographed. He can, however, send you a postcard with an autograph yes. on it if you ask. Um, and with that. a haiku, you should have haiku postcards. Yeah. With Eddie. Well, with Eddie. Well, that's a good segue to the haiku cat book. <laughs> yeah. So there is the haiku cat where Brian, where once Brian has, wrote haikus. It has, and, it has uh, pictures of. It's of my cat, Eddie, and a haiku to go along with every picture. I'm not quite sure if Eddie has written the haikus or... He inspired them. He imparts his wisdom to me, sometimes at the top of his voice early in the morning. Does everybody hear that? Or... <laughs> Author oh, yeah. Janice Barrett says, I don't normally read books about werewolves, but you have convinced me to try a new genre starting with your book. There you go, Brian. Oh, thank you, it's Janice. All um, about I, the convincing. Yeah. I do want to point out that on my website, which is on the scroll at the bottom, um, for every one of my books, I have a chapter or two up for you to read um, so that you're not just buying blind. Um, I'm a big fan of of getting a sample first. And and even if I still think that three ninety nine is worth taking a shot at, but the samples are a good idea. And for any new authors out there, that's the point. People are taking a chance when they're purchasing your book. They yeah. have no idea what they're going to get in there. And with a lot of with the book with the price of books getting larger oh it's um, i picked like when i went to the library i was picking up a book i wanted to read <laughs> still haven't gotten to it because i've been reading brian's books now <laughs> there's a lot of to do reading in vicky's life so but i want to read this book and they always put on there you save this much money by coming using the library 36.29 for one fictional book and so that's a little, I, I would not be purchasing a book for that price unless it's something that I know, like if somebody came out with a beautifully illustrated um, Halloween tree book or something wicked this way comes, mm -hmm. you know, that's a special, a special gift. But just to read a book that I don't even know if I'm going to like or not is um, that's that. So, yeah, it's nice to yeah. have those Purchasing little books is a whole black art for for my books, um, I urge people to buy the ebooks. To be perfectly honest, um, I get the same um, I get the same royalty, whether it's whether somebody buys the ebook or the paperback. Even though the paperbacks are way more than the ebooks, it's just that um, the printing costs are so large. And that's out of my control. Well, even no, even if you're an indie author, you have no control over the price of your hard copy book because that's set. You have you have a very limited control. Yeah, that's set more by by the so you get more. Um, so yes, the ebooks. If on on on, I don't normally go here because I don't want anybody to feel that they have to live their life in any certain way. Everything, but he has their stuff going on. They're busy. However, one of the reasons I like eBooks is because they don't use up trees. So if you read forty eBooks in a year, you have canceled out your footprint for getting that. Um, reading device so and you can also read on your phone if you have younger eyes um 
they also are lighter. If your hands are tired, you're older, um, you have something that makes it difficult to hold on to things. So they're lighter. The words can be bigger. As I pointed out, I can no longer um, sit on... Um, I, I can no longer read on the thing. So I will order real books from the library because the words are bigger than they are on my phone. And I can't get, I need to get another device in order to get the library books, ebooks mm -hmm. on my phone, on my, on a device. But yes, there's a lot of positives to reading. That being said, I just still have <laughs> a lot of these around for various reasons, because you can pick them up um, at, at sales and things like that. Brian, darling, um, we are, um, Tamara agrees that libraries are better than Valentine's Day. So yep. spend, spend your love on the library. And thank you for joining us, Rose. Brian, we have. Um, I, I just want to point out that with libraries, you can also recommend that the libraries buy books. Right, right. So that if you want my books, anybody's books. Especially mine, though. Um, <laughs> go is you know just you know just tell your local library and see if they'll uh, purchase it. It was interesting. Um, One of the authors that I like, um, that's down in the states, that I wouldn't think had just said, "Oh, I'm so excited that Penetanguishing Library <laughs> had taken on some of their books," and that was not a combination I ever saw coming. <laughs> but not that I keep track of those things, but I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool that it traveled that far. Yeah. So it's, it, it, yeah, yes. We were going to talk about chat books. Brian, we have three minutes lit, lit, okay. left. Okay. Chat books are just little do it yourself books. You uh, print them up like this, a few pages. I have one because I got up. one for Halloween. Yes, that's what this one is just a little bit bigger. And um, you print them up. I have a little blog post on my website on how to actually physically do it. But there are, you know, it's, it's but they're a lot of fun. Um, and it can be just a few pages of some doggerel poetry. Well, and, uh, and, and some pictures. And you send them uh, to friends. And People generally get a real kick out of it because you've okay, done something Okay, I can, I can attest to this because Brian is very generous, as I've pointed out, and he normally makes, like, handmade cards with with um, with um public domain pictures on them that are very nostalgic, and I love them. But I love – and I love them. I love getting them. But I must say that when – on the day, I really needed a boost, and to get a whole book of Brian's poems was, was phenomenal. So I would like to say – I love chat books. <laughs> I am like a chat book fan. I think if you're somebody who used does calligraphy, it would great to be it would be great to put your own poems in there. If like with the calligraphy, um, or or copy out some some public domain ones, but they're in your hands, so it makes that if you're an illustrator of any kind, an artist of any kind, uh do this do this and we will have more on this before because they will fit in an envelope so no extra postage no more than a card right brian because right. he is frugal about postage <laughs> so we should Aren't do you? more yeah. about this because i i love them i love the whole idea i love i mean there's so much in history about them and i just think they're 
a nifty thing. Okay, so Robin says, before you go, thank you, Vicky and Brian. Love the show. Brian's is awesome. <laughs> but I have to live with him, Robin. Thank you, Robin. <laughs> have a great day. So there, Vicky. And <laughs> so there, Vicky. <laughs> and Brian is awesome. Um, thank you, Brian, for joining us today. And yeah, we need to do the hot chat book thing. So so um get ready for that okay <laughs> all right take care you had a lot of comments so that i'm so yes. happy because you make a lot of comments Thank you, so. tamara. <laughs> right. thanks everybody i'm going to um uh, bye, bye tamara. tamara i'm going to um turn off the comments now okay goodbye brian and i'll talk to you in like 10 minutes at writers group <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay take bye, care everyone thank you for watching <laughs> You're not going, Brian. I'm removing you. <laughs> there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was a fun show. I'm not sure what we may got to any points, but it was it was fun. Thank you, everybody, for participating. And until we get the mug, and until I see you next week, may your coffee be hot and your story sweet. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we don't have our end music.